The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him, in crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching? With authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we ask that you would walk with us in a way that reminds us of your authority and the good news that that authority brings to us. We ask that you would be near to us in a way that keeps us from seeking that authority on our own. Amen. So over the last three weeks, Vicar Ivor has been preaching, getting the idea of having Sunday show up every seven days in the schedule, and given the text for today, I clearly had not looked at the, the lessons far enough in advance as to when I would step back in. <laughs> Who, though, doesn't like to talk about convulsing people and unclean spirits getting cast out? Something that in 2012 I know comes up too much in the news to even count, but it is the text that we have for today. The text together actually kind of link together in a fashion that speaks about God's authority in our world, God's authority, perhaps even more importantly, in our own lives and how our own lives are changed because we're not the ones with the authority. There are a couple of things that I want you to hear in this text. The first is an echo. There is a booming, tearing sound in this text that is reverberating still from the readings before. We're only towards the end of the first chapter in Mark, and we're reminded of all the things that happen. Jesus' baptism at the River Jordan, which probably wasn't overly loud in and of itself, except that the text spoke of the very heavens being torn apart. Not opened like a nice new window, not moved to the side like a curtain easily and tied up. The image is that it is torn, a shredding sound. I remember a time when we had just moved to Minnesota and a friend of ours was visiting. We were watching television and we were sitting on a couch that was against a wall under a window 
and there was a burst of thunder that was so loud against the window that all three of us leaped up off of the couch to our feet. It was that loud. There is a boom because there is nothing that separated creation from the Creator anymore. That boom is echoing in this text. In this text, we hear about Jesus. It's the Sabbath, and as any good rabbi, he could be found in the synagogue. He shows up to teach, but there's something very different in this. The very Word of God that Moses is concerned with in the first reading. How is this Word coming to the people? Who is going to be the mediator between God and creation? And that very Word, that powerful Word, has come in the flesh in a way to make a space in creation for God. I grew up in San Diego at a time when Ronald Reagan said that we should have a 500-ship navy. There was construction all around. Defense contractors were booming. And you can still see it when you drive down I-5 south of Los Angeles as you drive through Camp Pendleton, one of our bigger Marine Corps installations. On the south end of that base is something that's somewhat new since I was in high school at least. There is this cement pen in a fashion where the Marines keep their large hovercraft, the amphibious assault hovercraft. I'm always struck by the language on it that you can see as you're driving by. It says, home of the swift intruders, no beach out of reach is their motto. No beach out of reach. The text that we have for today is in many ways the God who created all of creation stepping in bodily, taking a foothold among us in a way that's not comfortable. We didn't ask for it. And in fact, in the text that we have for today, it's very clear we didn't want it because it's going to change everything. We like change a lot when it deals with somebody else. We're not so fond of change when it's about ourselves. It makes us uneasy and uncomfortable. There is a power in this text when Jesus speaks the Greek is a little confusing. If you read several different commentaries, they come up with different ways in which it is worded. But one way is fairly clear. Everybody responded to him because he spoke as one with his own authority. He didn't quote Jeremiah. He didn't quote Moses. He didn't quote the latest rabbi. Jesus got up and spoke and said, Here's what I'm here to tell you. And everybody was struck by his directness. Now the other interesting part of this is this hugely powerful sermon and message that was given, not recorded at all. We don't have a single word of it. His sheer presence is what was remembered. 
The other piece is that when the word of God spoke, there was a response. And now we get to the unclean spirit. I know you've been waiting to hear about that. The unclean spirit responds right away. In the Gospel of Mark, it's always the unclean spirits who know exactly who Jesus is. In fact, they know that they're in danger in many ways. And it's curious because this power that has come into creation is not one that takes away from life. It's not one that diminishes what we have. It's not one that hurts or causes pain or brings threats. It's one that brings the power of life and in that first interaction, heals. Heals something that could not be healed before. Now, when we read these lessons together, we understand that the Word of God is something that brings power. It's something that brings authority. It's something that brings responsibility as well. Paul talks in the passage from Corinthians about this business of should we eat meat or not, which seems like a curious nutritional dialogue in the New Testament. Most of the meat in that community would have shown up at the butcher shop from a temple nearby. And there was angst about whether or not eating that meat was okay or if it sent the wrong message. If we put it up against the Gospel text, it's as if we understand that the Word of God that we have read this morning that was embodied among us 2,000 years ago in the flesh is something that we have a responsibility to care for in relationship to the community in which we gather. It's not something that we abuse at the expense of the faith of those around us. And so that very Word of God, just as it cast out that unclean spirit, works inside of us in a way that calls us to live differently than we do now. That's the part that we get uncomfortable with. We might at the beginning of the year have a bunch of resolutions and ways in which we want to change our lives, but often we're the ones that like coming up with those lists for ourselves. It gets uncomfortable when God comes in and says, here are the things I'd like you to add to your list. And I'd like you to put them at the top. I think that's the challenge for us when we hear this text. This week, as it's rolling around in your head, don't get fixated on the unclean spirit and say, that's not me. But rather, hang on to the image of the Word of God among us that brings a power and an authority and a call to live differently within our community of faith for the sake of others and for the sake of others outside of our community. Amen.